0: All right, come on, let's hear it, McLeod. Aren't you going to ask me what happened? Where I went wrong? You want to tell me? I don't owe you any explanations, McLeod. You're right, you don't. Look, don't you judge me, man. It sounds to me like you've done that already. Then what's that supposed to mean? It means I don't want to play games, Carl. If you want to be a thief and live like this, then that's up to you. I live the way they let me live, all right? Right. Hey, look, you ain't me, you ain't black. This has nothing to do with being black.
1: Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we revisit our favorite franchise from the 80s and 90s, Highlander. I'm one of your rewatchers, Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And welcome to this week's episode. Before we get started, we thought we'd uh, tackle a little reader mail or listener mail. We always call it reader mail, but I guess it's really listener mail.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Well, Well, now, as fate would have it, there are some transcripts available on our Facebook page of our podcast. Yeah, that so, is very true. So technically, you could be a reader. <laughs> yes, you could. That's right. Very technically. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, if you know of anybody that doesn't have access to this podcast, perhaps, I don't know, English is the second language, those sort of things, uh, send them to our Facebook page and they can check out the transcripts. Um, we'll be posting them as they become available. So, Big our- thanks to our listener,
2: Jill, for setting that up for us. It's a lot of work and we really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So uh, this week's uh, question that we're going to read uh, was from a couple weeks ago. It was from the Return of Amanda episode. Um, And the question of the week was, where do the bullets go uh, when immortals are shot? And I think we all had some fairly straightforward thoughts on this. I I,
2: I felt pretty definitive about it. Right. The return of the curse of the bullets of Amanda. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So uh, Magdalena wrote us and she said i was just thought they melted to be
2: honest smiley face (laughs) uh jill writes depends on the writer since most of the series is attempting to keep the mortals as human as possible i like to go with they might poop them out (laughs) (laughs) i kind of like that rock solid (laughs) though how do they if they're trying to i'm not gonna think about it too hard (laughs) yeah it's like
3: if you eat corn oh boy (laughs) oh boy
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: like if you eat corn
3: vince writes maybe they just dissolve in their bodies then a good quickening acts like metamucil and gets it out of them you gotta like break apart the bullets and cough them out (laughs) that's right and listener christoph says they get out by
2: natural ways Natural natural
1: ways. ways. Those old
2: natural (laughs) ways. That's right. (laughs) I feel like in like the seventeen hundreds that would be a euphemism for something that we're not getting. So we also have a very special reader
1: response, kind of, by proxy. Sort of, (laughs) a little bit. Uh, So this is from Adrian Paul's fan magazine, uh, The Peace magazine, and this is from issue eight from February 1996. So it's
2: a blast from the past.
1: Yeah, blast from the past. And so someone asked Adrian this very question in the magazine. The question they asked was, what happens to all the bullets in your body when you're shot? By now you must be clanking as you walk around and be in danger of setting off the metal detectors in Vancouver. Uh, don't you mean C. Uh, sh- sorry, <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't Duncan go in uh, for a 100-year body service or something to have all those foreign bodies removed? So Adrian Paul responded, why? I like foreign bodies. <laughs> oh, hubba oh. hubba hubba. Actually, oh. McLeod just had his 50-year checkup. He'd been out of trouble for a while and didn't need one until recently. You can imagine what it was like when Mac had to go to war. Uh, he was being serviced every month. Serviced by foreign bodies. bodies. (laughs) Uh, The bullets, if they don't pass straight through or just graze, are taken out later. I think. (laughs) Otherwise, he'd have to tell airport security that he's had metal plates stuck inside him.
2: Hmm. There we go, Adrian Paul. So, that's sort of an answer, a little bit, kind of. So, (laughs) maybe. If
3: you squint. I mean, I guess if you're immortal, you should be antiquated with
2: amateur surgery. Well, that's got to be so painful, just like sticking your dirty finger into your own body to rip out a bullet. 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 Oh, God. (laughs) I've got these rusty tweezers.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. Before that, they wouldn't have to do too much surgery on themselves. Because they would just heal.
2: Heal up. Yeah.
1: It's only those bullets. The bullet factor.
2: Mm. So we also have another bit of... Well, re- before that was like arrows, and That's- there are plenty of ways to get foreign bodies stuck in your <laughs> actual body. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now That's we're talking. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Arrowheads, we- am I right? <laughs>
1: So Dominic S. also writes us about this, and he is one of our listeners from Germany, so we're going to read a little bit more of his response in a minute. Uh, But regarding this question, he says, I think the body breaks down the material like the remains of food, and it goes right to where the Ninja Turtles live. Magic disappearance or coming out, the bullet hole, or even staying in the body doesn't make sense to
2: me. That's true. All right, so... I I like to imagine that the bullets then, he means go to Dimension X. (laughs) That's actually where it goes. I know they don't live there, nerds, but... (laughs) Yeah, before you send all these emails in. Well, actually, it's uh, Craig who comes from Dimension X. Craig! <laughs> I don't know. We're, like, it's really us that's forcing this Ninja Turtles connection, as yeah. I think about it. Oh, yeah. Because it keeps coming up, and yep. it's our fault. I think
1: it's just that we like Ninja Turtles so yeah. much. Turtle power. Mm. Beats time. So, uh, Dominic is one of our uh, listeners from Germany. Um, So he had some kind of special insight into The Return of Amanda, which is set, of course, in like pre-World War II Germany. Right. Let's read what he had to say. Okay, I don't want to be too harsh on the flashback, since they did a really nice job turning Vancouver into pre-war Germany. The language doesn't make too much sense, though. I figured they tried to speak with an accent, and Elizabeth Grayson even tried to do a Marlene Dietrich impression while singing, quote-unquote, English-German. But while I'm kind of okay with the Germans speaking English with their German accent in Berlin, it's annoying that they keep going with Mein Liebchen and Mein Er. Seriously, even back then, nobody here would have used that so many times, especially not a lady, meaning Amanda, on a man, Henrik, since Mein Liebchen can only be said to women. Interesting. Mm. The folklore musicians in the park make no sense at all. It's not unusual for American productions to put some of those lederhosen zombies in a scene to, <laughs> uh, to make it a German setting. But these traditional costumes are very specifically Bavarian. Right. Uh, Bavaria is one of 16 different states in Germany, and you'll never find musicians like that anywhere else, especially not in Berlin. Berlin is northeast in Germany, and Bavaria is in the south. This is a funny observation. Uh, what else? <laughs> I like the stream of consciousness. So what else? Oh, the nightclub cabaret, right? A nice set dressing. Uh, detail in the vine cards, the vine list uh, on the table. But did you realize that Werner and Duncan already had two f- completely full glasses when the bra- uh, the waiter brings them two new ones? Is this party night? So what's next, a mortal
2: hangover? <laughs> <laughs> Mac likes to double fist a Absolutely.
3: champagne. Absolutely. Oh, I thought he was drinking like a martini or something. Hmm. But yeah, two full of the brim martinis the night you have to like undergo an espionage <laughs> operation.
2: must <laughs> ah. be loose. You got to
1: keep it light. Yeah. And Dominic actually provides some trivia here too. He says a little behind the scenes trivia is that the song Amanda Sings, Nobody's Sister, was written by Eva Lepierre, the wife of producer Ken
2: Gord. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah.
1: And then finally, Dominic writes, you also asked about the swastika and you were absolutely right. It's not only the money people from Germany that didn't like swastikas in Highlander specifically, that is more a general issue. It gets basically censored. If it's in a movie and you can't change it, cut it it sometimes stays in there but if there's any way to avoid having it they still do even tarantino's inglorious bastard got the swastikas replaced on the poster it stayed in the movie though they take this stuff very seriously here interesting Interesting. yeah Yeah. well thank you very much for your email dominic we really appreciate it and we thank everybody who writes in and you can always reach us at highlander rewatched at gmail.com or you can write to us right on our facebook page and we always post our questions of the week
2: there Yeah, and we especially love these kind of international insights, because this is fundamentally an international show. We talk about that a lot. So these details about what the show is like in other places are especially fascinating.
1: Absolutely. Um, Also, one thing before we jump into this week's episode. Kyle, you were actually at a wedding uh, for our last episode, so Eamon and I did that solo. Uh, So anyway, did you have any thoughts on Revenge of the Sword that you wanted
2: to share with anybody? good gravy this episode (laughs) (laughs) so did you guys talk is that actually lu kang no no Oh, but one of our one of our commenters called him lu
1: kang and i went wait wait what 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 yeah but something we neglected to talk about somehow was that he is from episode three
2: Three. yeah uh road not taken taken. i thought you did talk about that nope nope we did we talk just talk about, about that I think,
1: we, I think we talked about it independently and we yeah. forgot to bring it up on the yep. podcast but yes he was a main character yep actually the main villain mm-hmm. essentially in a We're season in one a- episode tea? yeah i hate T right, right. <laughs> the one that
3: offered fat Dave foley tea <laughs> uh so yeah he's back yeah. again
1: and it's so puzzling when the show does that like yeah. when they use a main character like i get using like a background person or somebody that you would probably forget but like he was the main bad guy in that episode
2: so i had a few thoughts on this i don't want to get too far into to it because this is an episode that's really not worth that much of our time fundamentally about like the tong i'm pretty sure it was like a like a communal society effectively for like asian americans especially in a lot of places where they were pretty heavily discriminated against and then kind of beneath the surface some organized crime elements developed side note the Tong is mentioned over and over again in the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> Are they uh, really? Uh, oh, yeah.
3: Starring Jean-Claude
2: Van Damme. And Rahul Julia. Julia. Yeah. Mm. As Bison his, and Dial. His swan song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Acclaimed actor Paul Julia's last
3: movie. <laughs> he actually has some good lines in that movie. He's like the highlight of that otherwise ultimately forgettable movie yeah. <laughs> called Street Fighter that has almost
2: zero fighting in it <laughs> and zero streets. Yeah, there's, there's like, streets. There's fighting, not on streets, yeah. <laughs> but th- their interpretation of that. Sagat, the one-eyed punch man is in fact like the leader of the tongue Hmm. in in the context of that movie and that just made me giggle the whole time that's good while thinking of like what organization he's a part of he's actually just a street player
1: amazing so guys let us hop into this week's episode this week we are talking about highlander the series season two episode nine Run for your life. This episode originally aired Monday, November 22nd, 1993. This was directed by Dennis Barry. He's back. Uh, We've seen him a number of times. He's done Eye for an Eye, The Return of Amanda. We'll see him again. And it was written by Naomi Jensen. She wrote one episode of War of the Worlds, which starred Adrian Paul as Kincaid. Hmm. Uh, But she was also, we, I think, talked about her previously uh, because she wrote Studies in Light. Uh, But she is the person that wrote for Are You Afraid of the Dark? The uh, Mm -hmm. Tale of the Frozen Ghost and the Tale (laughs) of the Lonely Ghost. (laughs) Uh,
2: The ghost, what did we call it? Duology? duology? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Curse of the return of the frozen ghost. That's right.
1: And she's got one more to come in season three, which is a very good one.
3: I want to also mention she wrote Gentle Ben 2. What is that? Gentle Ben is like a movie about a friendly bear oh boy <laughs> a bear named ben yeah a bear named ben and he's a gentle bear there's also a very funny simpsons joke where gentle ben has a talk show and he like goes nuts and like mauls the
2: audience <laughs> he's not that gentle is this, yeah. is this
1: a cartoon movie or is i think a it's li- a live action movie. interesting yeah
2: does uh, he talk
1: or anything like it's like no i don't no think gentle ben talks and yeah. he's just he's just, gentle. just a gentle he's just bear a
3: gentle bear but she wrote gentle ben too <laughs> I thought that not was the funny. first one, not the first one, just the second. <laughs> not gentle Ben, <laughs> gentler, gentler, gentler Ben, gentler Ben, Gentless gentle ben. ben to get gentler. <laughs> <laughs> the gentling. <laughs> yeah, she also wrote for Forever Night, which keeps coming up. Yeah, we might lot. have to do a bonus episode. Oh,
1: we should. That. that would be fun. Yeah, this episode has a couple guest stars. It guest stars Bruce A Young as Carl Robinson. He's been in a ton of stuff.
2: He was mm-hmm. in the Sentinel TV show Jurassic Park Three. Becker. Becker. <laughs> it, um, I, I had to look him up on IMDb because I could not name a single thing he's in, but was just like overwhelmed by the sense that I'd seen him everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah, he's in crazy. tons and
1: tons of stuff. But also, I was wondering, like, not he, to get into the episode already, but like his name is Carl Robinson. Is that a combination of Jackie Robinson and Carl Lewis? probably that's that was what i was thinking i was like huh interesting sports name it yeah and he wants to be a baseball player yeah yeah yeah
2: she yeah Yeah. 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 uh
1: this episode also guest stars adrian holmes as johnny um he's gotten pretty big now he's lieutenant frank pike on arrow Mm. yeah um and he was basquat on smallville uh he was a member of zod's army when they did that sod subplot what, wait, what's his name? Is the it, actor? No, the character's name. Isn't it <laughs> Basquat or Basquat? Basquat? <laughs> Basquiat.
3: Is that it? B-A-S-Q-U-A-I-T? Yeah. I Basquiat. So. Basquiat. Like the artist Jean-Michel Basquiat. Why would a Kryptonian have the name Basquiat? <laughs> is it like Bas-Key-I?
1: I don't think so. That's
3: the Kryptonian three-name structure?
1: Oh, that's right. I don't know. Fart.
2: so the episode description from good old trusty imdb is so excited for this one i like had to
1: stay away from it Uh, we've got one coming up in a later episode that's really good guys uh all right so this episode description is duncan saved immortal carl robinson from lynching in 1926 louisiana Carl became a famous Colored League baseball star <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> with aspirations of becoming a politician, but he has since become disillusioned after seeing years of racism and corruption. He now lives on the streets and steals to get by. When he steals Charlie's car to get away from drug dealers after stealing their money, Duncan tries to help him overcome his longstanding hatred of and distri- distrust for whites. Wow. <laughs> and he helps him deal with a racist cop who was after him.
2: <laughs> tag, oh, okay. that last line's the best way oh, to but... way to bury the lead yeah, yeah. <laughs> he helps him deal with it
3: <laughs> i want to talk about the cop for a second geza Kolvax. yes he's the actor he was on this show called the littlest hobo which is a, Cana- <laughs> a canadian tv show about a dog who like travels from place to place solving mysteries Is that a hobo Yeah. Like, does he take, because he solved these mysteries on trains? I don't know. Like, I don't know how this dog is a hobo. I guess because he's traveling. The idea that they're calling a dog a hobo is very <laughs> funny to me. Funny. <laughs> is it
2: just cuz he carries around one of those like sticks with a handkerchief tied to the end of a it? A
3: bindle? A bindle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Maybe that's it.
3: But then also he's like a German shepherd, which they aren't that small those dogs. So no. like other wandering dogs have the potential to be littler than <laughs> this littlest hobo.
2: If we're <laughs> accepting that dogs can be hobos, there's no way that's the littlest hobo. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
3: Anyway, sorry for that
2: hobo so, aside. So no, we actually open on some dogs because this yeah. episode opens. It says Louisiana, 1926, and my note was in real time. Oh, those are two beautiful bloodhounds. Oh nope, this is a lynching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was I was surprised at the uh, the title card. I was so happy. This I think the
1: very first time we've ever gotten. Like a proper title card? A proper title card. I don't know why they decide to do it. They tell us when and where we are, which yeah. is great. From I... now on, they should just
2: have a title card that comes up and just says, figure it the fuck out. Or
3: if it opens in Seacouver, Seacouver,
2: now.
1: <laughs> Use context clues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there is a lynching going down, and Carl Robinson is uh, one of the three people that are about to be lynched by some, like, Billy fox
2: yeah these these guys are quite racist but mac happens to be nearby in a model t yes yep. uh so he sees
1: what's going on and he like just like makes a charge yeah. at the like the lynching posts or i don't know what you'd call them they've got these like it's like makeshift
3: they're like weird like tp shaped almost they honestly don't look we... very strong like no. if you got
1: hung from it i think they'd break
3: <laughs> yeah because it's uh, just like they're like st- Like sticks, like stacked in a weird triangular formation. Yeah.
1: So Duncan busts up all these things with Mm -hmm. his car and the three black people that are about to be lynched go running Mm -hmm. and all these racist guys and their dogs go after them
3: and one of them shoots mac.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mac gets shot for helping out. Yep. And Duncan also introduces himself to Carl at this point.
3: Yeah, and this it's is, so
2: dramatic. It's this awesome. is awesome. Yeah. Like they Mac is so close to him before the buzz happens. Like they are practically kissing. Like they mm-hmm. are right on each other before he ever gets the buzz. And yeah. as soon as Mac shows up, like they, these racists kind of like forget their, what they're there to do. Which <laughs> I guess when you're talking about a racist is a good thing, but like they're just like, "What do we do now?"
1: But yeah, Duncan introduces himself. He's like, "I'm Duncan
2: of the Clan McLeod. That's
1: <laughs> really good. <laughs> I I wanted to get up and clap when it happened. I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> like this felt like the most James Bondy it's ever been delivered. Like it was like there was a big pause. Yeah, like, yeah. Stretch it. Make a big thing out of it.
2: That's all stretching. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> nope.
1: So after this, we are back in the present, and we get to listen to some real funky music, and we see Carl walking in this like big duster with yeah. his like sidekick, his like teenage
2: sidekick. Yeah, and if it wasn't queer before, this dude is enormous. Yes. he is huge. He looks yeah. pretty
3: badass yeah he does he does i had a thought are there any wire listeners out there wire listeners wire watchers this guy's like omar from the wire he's yes. like omar prime I, I have that
1: same note yeah, actually yeah. on here this guy's like omar so he spots some drug dealers like these these thugs he's,
2: that are just he he the two the worst drug dealers that <laughs> yeah. have ever who have ever slung powder yeah.
1: and these guys look like they're right out of like beverly hills cop Mm-hmm. two i guess beverly has got two. go on isn't that right like isn't that the uh the the drug dealer ep- uh, episode of beverly and scott uh yeah with uh, the uh, like the german dudes or whatever yeah. yeah yeah i don't know they're all like very drug dealing looking. in all of them anyway
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh so carl's like looks like somebody's got to have a drug problem
3: yeah
2: <laughs> and he goes <laughs> he's like ricky we're gonna need some wheels, wheels. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so insane. Because first off, it's broad daylight. It's like yeah. this massive drug deal that they're doing in plain view. And that is, like, this is not just like a hand-to-hand transaction. Like, that is like a kilo of cocaine. It's a like, lot. That is tens of thousands of dollars worth of drugs. And they're just like, would you like some drugs? Yes, I'd like some drugs. Hey, okay. this man's watching us sell drugs. Is this a problem? Yeah, he'll move along. Yeah. <laughs> Also,
3: like, he's brandishing a sawed-off shotgun, yeah. one of the guys, in yeah. broad
2: daylight. <laughs> also, highly illegal. Yeah. That is <laughs> right.
3: that is mandatory time. So
1: Carl is interfering with this drug deal. And while this is happening, we find out that Charlie and Duncan are just right around the corner. We've got to play this clip because yep. it's awesome.
2: I had such a vivid memory of this clip. I didn't know it was in this episode. <laughs> but, like, as a kid growing up, I remember Duncan McLeod teaching me lessons about Chinese food. <laughs>
0: Now, was that great Chinese or oh, what, man? I feel like I'm going to explode. <laughs> I'm not surprised the way you eat. Hey, well, uh, what I want to know is, how come in an hour I'm going to be hungry? Because you don't eat enough fat and protein, you eat rice and vegetables. Uh-huh. And rice digests faster than any other carbohydrate. Oh, wow. You know, you are a walking, talking encyclopedia, McClough.
1: So Seacouver is so run down in this scene as well. There
3: is graffiti yeah. on
1: the raw on the wall that says Kelly, Kelly King, King Rat. Rat. <laughs> there also,
3: there there seem to be prostitutes everywhere. Yep. Doesn't Charlie run a gym?
2: Shouldn't he know about like healthy, healthy eating? Eating. <laughs> Max just like screw your rice and vegetables, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, is is Mac on the Atkins diet? Yeah. They've got different yes. regimens. <laughs> like,
1: Charlie's all about being lean and quick, and Max Max about bulking <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Did you even lift, bro?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The MacKins diet.
3: Oh,
1: no.
2: (laughs) See, and he doesn't have to worry about having a heart attack, like the guy who invented the Atkins diet. Poor guy.
3: I think that was related. Wasn't that related to ice skating or something? (laughs) Go on. I feel like... The Atkins d- guy died falling over ice skating or something. Ow, I, ow. I might have made that up. Look it up, S- Google. Tell <laughs>
2: <laughs> we did
3: clearly. So <laughs> <laughs> we see that Carl and his sidekick,
2: what's his name, Ricky? Ricky. Ricky. They are making off with this money. Well, right. we should talk about the actual lifting of the drugs. Okay, because this is. There's a lot going on here. So these other guys, this guy brandishing the shot-off shotgun gets housed by Carl. Mm -hmm. And he, like, quickly takes it. He sticks him up. And he's like, I don't want your blow. Just the money. And then he shoots the blow with a sawed-off shotgun. yep, As if to, like, advertise to everyone around, like, oh, by the way, (laughs) if this drug deal wasn't obvious enough, I just exploded drugs all over this alleyway. Yeah.
3: And also just shooting shooting off a double-barrel shotgun in the middle of the day. Yep.
2: like The like, whole thing is just... Then the best is, he makes them kiss the ground. you yep. think he even says, kiss he the says, ground. He says, kiss the ground. So he makes them lay down. And then he makes them get up and <laughs> leave. And I was like, no, you're the one who gets up and leaves. Yeah. Like, they're on the ground, so you have time to get away. Yep what yep <laughs> it's very puzzling like carl i i get we're supposed to think he's done this before oh yeah but I, doesn't I it doesn't seem like it. I, I feel like he'd be better at it
3: right <laughs> i think he just thinks the ground looked lonely and yeah. he wanted, wanted that's his to fetish get some attention. Like, kiss it yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, baby. yeah baby kiss the ground yeah the ground wants it <laughs> oh dirty but meanwhile Rick, ricky's <laughs> been lifting a car and not using the lift app just stealing it right <laughs> uh so old-fashioned lift
1: app that's it, right it turns a coat out hanger they're steal or he is stealing charlie's car We right. find out so yeah. eventually charlie Mack and carl and ricky kind of these two scenes converge right carl gets in the car to speed away and charlie Mack are like that's my car
2: and it a chase immediately ensues. wrecks it Immediately Um, wrecks the car. Like, drills it instantly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Then Carl has to uh, run away, and Mac and Charlie give chase one thing about this episode carl robinson bruce bruce young he had to run so much in this episode like this must have been an exhausting i mean it looks like he's in great shape but geez louise yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i wonder how many takes they had to do of these running scenes
3: yeah i hope few (laughs) yeah (laughs) because because there's a whole scene (laughs) of like the lynch mob people chasing him and then there's a whole scene of mac and Charlie chasing him, and they're, like, kind of long scenes. Yeah, they are. Oh,
2: yeah, like, the winching the one, like, there's multiple scenes of him being chased. Like, right. we're about to go back to that flashback, and it involves more of him.
3: Yeah. Right. Good job. Keep it in shape, Bruce.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Carl's able to escape because he, like, hops off a bridge onto like a rooftop, Roof. yeah, and makes an escape that way. And I guess Charlie wants to follow him, but it's obviously dangerous, so Max stops him. Yeah. So then we get our next flashback, which is back to the scene we started the episode with. Mm-hmm. Uh So Carl is still on the run from the lynching mob. This is a great scene. I mean, I think it looks great. This whole flashback looks fantastic. I think this chase would be pretty boring if it weren't for the music. Yeah, because uh, this
2: is our first Jim Burns,
1: Yeah, right? Jim Burns is... Uh, Oh. providing the uh, the music for that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's, it's a great. cool tune and yeah, it adds a lot of kind of ambiance to the scene.
2: It's Ooh. so hard in these episodes when they're bouncing back and forth between like real music and like weird MIDI stuff cuz we haven't played it yet, but the drum track that they've decided is Carl's modern day theme. Is like giggle inducing. And then it cuts to like an actual high production value song. Right. And it's like, (laughs) whoa. It's like you're watching two different shows. Right. Oh, also, Truman was going nuts barking at these racist bloodhounds. Who's Truman, Kyle? Oh, excuse me. Truman is my pug, my little monster dog, and he's going ballistic. And I was like, yeah, screw these racist dogs, Truman. (laughs) Give them what
3: for. Carl is running, running, running. They split up. And then he comes across Mac, who has revived and is driving his lynch smasher away
2: (laughs) lynch smasher that's a great name for a monster truck yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) so carl gets in the car or
1: actually hops on the side of the car or whatever and they speed away Uh, so they make an escape
2: we should also say that
3: when carl jumps on the roof matt gets a good look at him and they recognize one another
1: yeah in the previous scene when carl makes his escape they have a moment and they're like it's you it's you Mm. Ah. so a little bit later in this flashback i guess duncan and carl are kind of cleaning up They've, like, parked near a barn.
2: They've Uh, gotten away. It's time for some exposition.
1: Absolutely. The the way this scene is, like, set up, it's like Max, like, washing his shirt. He's shirtless looking buff. I was like, this is the opening scene to a fan fiction right here. Here. (laughs) (laughs) Hubba, hubba. (laughs) So we get some background on Carl. We find out that he was, I guess, first killed uh, when he was still a slave in, like, the 1850s. 1859. Mm -hmm. 1859. And he was killed, I guess, unjustly by his slave master.
2: Right. Because his daughter was pregnant and for whatever reason he gets blamed for it. Right. and he gets killed. As he says, it gets in a family way. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, earlier we were talking about a natural way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ways and means commission.
1: Any which way but Committee.
2: loose. Oh, Clint Eastwood.
1: Clint Eastwood and a monkey. That's right. <laughs> uh, so we, we find out that Carl's got some aspirations. His plan is to move north. Mm-hmm. And he wants to, I guess, play baseball. Uh, so we get some shots of him like throwing rocks at a bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's clearly very good at being this. Is a pitcher. Like a
2: crazy triple cut of him smashing this bottle. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa. All right. I guess we're really seeing this bottle break. So this is the part that's super weird about this whole thing. Mac wants to go like kill these racists mm-hmm. or something. I don't know what he wants to do, but well, like wants- Mac is like hot for some. He vengeance. Wants, he wants Carl to go to the police. Right. Carl's like, no, like
1: it's not going to. I ha- won't, like, get they won't get any. They won't get any justice.
2: Yeah. yeah. But Beck still pushes. He's like, well, that's like he. My implication moves he wants to go get him, like some revenge from revengeance.
1: <laughs> revengeance.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it seemed out of car- out of pl- a little bit out of place, but at the same time, I was like, okay, I guess I get it. Like. They did shoot you with a shotgun, yeah. Mac. right. But I guess now we know where all those pellets that were embedded in his chest went. <laughs> he pooped them out. <laughs> this just made me think of Studies in Light where Gregor gets
3: shot and Mac just lets the shooter like, run away. I guess Mac just took it personally. I mean, these are also racists who are lynching people. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, who's to say this nutcase who shot Gregor won't <laughs> harm other people? This
1: I mean, is true. Yeah, sometimes he seeks justice, and
2: sometimes he doesn't. Yeah, we're saying. gonna have a lot to say about that in future episodes. Yes, well, we maybe yeah. We'll, we'll tease that for now, yeah. but that's really heavily addressed in some of the other episodes that are coming up.
1: Absolutely. So after this, we uh, get a great smash cut back to the present, and uh. Duncan is driving around. Yeah. Doing his <sighs> typical like
3: detective work or whatever. This is another the road not taken sequence where he's just driving around, <laughs> looking. Like- for something i thought this was an interesting montage like i thought they captured some interesting looking people and like there's some cool shots of like looking up through buildings from like what i thought was an interesting angle uh the song is ridiculous
1: (laughs) i thought the song was kind of awesome and ridiculous at the same time like i was i was kind of digging it explain the awesome part i'll play it let's play a little bit of this song
3: is this a real band
1: yes so this this guy's name is Keith Scott. Oh yeah. And he is uh, the guitar player for uh, what's his name? The Brian Adams band. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Rocking out, man. So this sequence 15 minutes and 32 seconds into the episode. It does not end until over three minutes later, at eighteen minutes and thirty-seven seconds. Yep. And it's just, Mar- it's just Mac.
0: Come on, guys.
2: Yeah. It's just Mac driving around, staring at poor people. That is this montage. It's not just poor people. Like, there's a weird
3: superhero man that they feature twice.
2: Everybody is crippled. <laughs> at, at,
1: like half, fifty percent of the people in this montage have like some sort of disability. Like everyone is on crutches wheelchairs like it's really weird i
2: thought (laughs) it's gritty man yeah on the mean streets of siku (laughs) that's right it's nuts also three minutes is like roughly speaking seven percent of this episode (laughs) seven percent of this episode is mac driving around it was driving me absolutely insane also i'm surprised to hear so many nice things about this montage to me this montage felt like an eternity (laughs) like if they said this was a three hour montage i'm like okay i was just on board that song (laughs) Yeah,
3: I thought the song was funny. Like, if we compare the two montages, I think this montage blows the road not taken's montage. out of the water so when you're
2: having a filler battle oh which filler is filling more (laughs) i guess maybe i agree with that assessment but this is still crippling filler yes so a little
1: bit later it's like so duncan is looking for i guess carl slash ricky he ends up seeing ricky trying to break into a car and my first thought is like how does he even recognize him like i went back and looked at the footage like they barely see ricky get out of the car but i guess he sees him Or draws the connection that, like, oh, he's breaking into a car. That's what that other person did. Mm -hmm. All carjackers
3: are one. Yeah, There's only one carjacker in C. Cooper. There can only be one carjacker in That's Ricky.
1: So I guess Duncan follows Ricky back to Carl's hideout on the pier. I guess then Mac and Carl have a little chat.
3: Carl uh, on the wall has his master's degree framed, and it's in political science. And also pictures of his baseball career. So he did follow his dreams to some point
1: he got a degree from howard and
2: yeah was a
3: baseball player
2: yeah it seems like he did all right this episode is very kind of cavalier about what actually goes wrong with this guy yeah i think they don't tell you at all yeah like they now have a now have this weird conversation was this actually our opening yes yeah this this is is our clip that we played in the opening about like his life being derailed by racism and that is a perfectly reasonable thing to have happened, mm? but they never explained what that racist thing that happened to him was, because, right. like, on paper, it looks like he accomplished everything he set out to do, and it's like, what is wrong? Yeah, I'm not well, sure. Like, do the writers think the only thing you can do with a political science degree is run for office? Because, <laughs> yeah, then maybe you're disappointed, but yeah, he's obviously nice. a very sophisticated, intelligent, competent person, so... What happened?
1: Yeah, yeah. It would have been nice if we we had a flashback that showed things go wrong, or a montage of things not working out for him because of racism. Not that I don't think that could have happened. I mean, like oh, this yeah, is all like, legitimate. Yeah, uh, but, but it's we just, like, don't get to don't, see it. Like, why
2: don't tell, why not at least be specific? I don't know. It's just crazy. Because like he's, got, he's got a degree from a really like world class university. Yeah. He's, got, he's got a degree from a place nicknamed the Black Harvard. So yeah. seems like he should at least not be at rock bottom
1: yeah it would have been maybe even better if they just didn't show us that he made it like if all his dreams didn't happen and like you know that's yeah, the turning point of this episode is that you know what now i'm gonna change or whatever but yeah we show that it d- does happen so it just kind
2: of is little huh it, it's a, it is like a little bit of a head scratcher do, do we want to talk about this actual conversation they have though? yes <laughs> this is the vaguest conversation like this taps saying, this is like the vaguest conversation about racism Mm-hmm. This is like a drunk conversation, like, had by white people at a Thanksgiving, <laughs> it is what it feels like to me.
1: Yeah. So Carl just basically says that he's never made it because of racism and mac is just like it's not about being black it's
2: about stealing cars like there's not really much to say about this <laughs> conversation yeah, that's, a, it's a, wait, that's the thing that drove me so nuts about it it sounded like like i wonder if this conversation had more substance and they removed some of it or like they just heard about a conversation of race once hey i heard sometimes people talk about race yeah <laughs> let's imagine what that's like it's all pretty surface level This episode is about racism. That's what this scene tells us. Yeah, it's like, hey, in case you wonder what this episode's actually about, it's sort of about racism, (laughs) right? So we cut
1: to the police station, and Charlie's there going through, I guess, mug shots. Mug shots, right? And one of the cops there is, at this point, vaguely racist because, like, he implies that Charlie can't count very high. Yeah, he's like,
3: hey, man, how many more of these do I gotta look through? More than you can count. And he's like, I can count pretty high. Like, no offense. Yep. That was a
2: reenactment by (laughs) Keith and Eamon. Yep. Really? That wasn't the clip? (laughs) I got got a little little lost in that. You guys just transported me to another place where a mustachioed cop was being a dick. Yeah. (laughs) So he's going through the headshots, and he spies the kid. Yes. Right. And then, eventually... It's a little weird that he sees the kid and they have a moment about the kid. But then it's like, oh, but wait, here's actually the guy. Yeah. This is actually just him.
3: And the cop says that he's wanted for murder.
2: Murder in Arizona.
3: And car thievery. More car thievery.
2: Yes. Yes. So this guy then invents. We come to find out later that this murder charge is invented. Charlie now is being told by this guy that he's got a murder rap. In Phoenix or something. So
1: Carl is back at, I guess, Max's place. He comes to visit and talk more. And I love that when Carl arrives, he goes right to the fridge and opens it up. Like, yeah, it's, I, I thought that was a really great little just bit of their character and their relationship.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, parts of this relationship were really good. Like, I loved that moment and, like, some of the flashback stuff where they see them again is mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah, they've good yeah.
1: chemistry together, I think.
2: Like, I kind of wish these scenes had been a bit reversed. You know, because this really helped buy into the relationship a bit. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe establish the closeness before ramping into, like, this vague, emotionally charged racism discussion. Right. They kind of, like, <laughs> started at ten and then dropped back down.
1: So we get some, a little bit more discussion of race here because Carl's like, oh, I bet you own this place, don't right. you? Like, and he's like, oh, you're just another rich guy, that like a rich a, white man a that a wants to-
3: guilt-ridden wit. <laughs> <laughs> a guilt-ridden witch. No, <laughs> that's it. Guilt-ridden w- rich white folk. What he describes Mac as. Yeah,
1: that wants to help out a poor Negro. He says. Yeah. Uh, so Max I got in- that white guilt. Yep. Uh, I am glad actually the show does bring this up. Yeah, uh, although it doesn't really follow through with this theme at all, it actually kind of like digs in deeper to this white savior trope. uh yeah, as we'll get into later definitely. in the episode. Um, well, but I am glad that it does bring it up as an issue.
3: What well, seems like their relationship is soured, and we don't get that in any of the flashbacks. Like in all the flashbacks, they're like they're friends, right? They're hanging out, you know. And it, it seems like when they meet again, I mean, he did just steal <laughs> car. <laughs> I think that's the point maybe where, it's ours, where yeah. he, it sours, where he steals I feel like, his friend's car. Like, I feel like there's, like, bad blood between them, aside from this. Like, this seems like the kind of thing Matt could, like, mm. sweep under the rug. To me, there seemed like to be something under the surface that's, like, never explained or something.
2: I think it's that they ramped it up so high. Them, like, yelling at each other on the docks. Like, it's hard to come down from that and just have, like, a perfectly natural conversation in the next scene. Yeah. Right. So,
1: Mac and Carl go downstairs, and Charlie's down in the dojo. And so, the three of these characters get to meet and should we play this clip yeah yeah
0: what the hell are you doing here mcleod what is this hey, hey easy man i just wanted to make a little restitution yeah well they put your butt behind bars man then i'll have my restitution hey chill out brother i got your money yeah i know what i mean, I mean carl robinson this is charlie DeSalvo.
2: Who oh, is was he paying with that drug money
0: probably hey, what's up with you man mcleod who you hanging with this man's wanted for murder murder what the hell are you talking about? The man you killed in Arizona. I've never even been to Arizona. <laughs> well, the cops say you have. Well, the cops a damn liar. And you expect me to take your word for it? Hey, you can take what you expect and shut it. All man. right, I'm... that's enough. If I killed somebody, believe me, I'd know it. And I wouldn't lie about it. I believe him, Charlie. Oh, and I'm supposed to believe him too? I don't care what you're supposed to do. You want this money or not? Just so you know, man, I identified you to the cops this morning. Oh, well, that's real black of you, brother. Well, I'll drop the charges, brother. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> also, Duncan's reaction to this, is, I don't know if anyone noticed, like, when they get into this, like, that's real black of you, brother. Like, Duncan starts rolling his eyes. And it's like, I was a little uncomfortable. I was like, is this just Duncan being like, uh,
2: black people? Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, boy. You, Yeah, I'm not sure what that reaction is. Yeah.
3: Maybe he was just grumpy at Charlie not relaxing a little about this. To be fair, this guy did steal <laughs> and yes, wreck his definitely. car.
2: <laughs> so I've got a few thoughts on this. All right. So just to start it off, Charlie, man, you think this guy's a wanted for murder and you tell him about it? Whoa. Do you think this guy you know this guy stole your car and you think he killed somebody? Ah, uh, that's a huge tactical error. Because <laughs> if that's correct, it's like, oh, this guy who you know to be who stole your car like you believe to be a criminal, he's going to wreck you. Because what's he going to do? Like, wait around for you to call the cops? Probably not. But, like, somehow he manages to convince him not to do that. (laughs) I was a little flummoxed by that. Yeah, this would have been a
1: better aside to Mac. Like, if Carl walked away and he was like, look, he's like, he's wanted for murder. Like, this guy's not who... Your friend isn't who you think he is either.
2: Yeah, which would have been a interesting conflict but like mac immediately is on board that this is that he did not do this murder right. Which it's fine i mean i i
1: yeah they have a history he knows what carl's character is like i suppose
2: yeah but that, like it just renders the fact that he's being accused of this murder kind of uninteresting because mm. it like the conflict is resolved so quickly right like, right charlie's even immediately on board yeah and it's like Oh, really? He denies it? As people accused of crimes often do? <laughs> <laughs> then, next thought. Not 100% sure you can just drop these charges, like You might be able to, maybe. But it kind of depends because like you, there's this notion that always comes up in things about like oh I'll drop the charges as though you really have control over that like there comes a point very early where you kind of lose control over this thing like you make a complaint and it's the state going after someone because whether you care or not stealing somebody's car is still illegal right like that is a crime against the commonwealth of siku for whatever state <laughs> that's in
3: especially so, when it's a report against the car thief who is also has a murder rap it's like oh well he didn't you're dropping the car stealing charges okay we'll stop looking
2: for him (laughs) yeah though we do come to find out that the murder rap is bogus Mm -hmm. right but that being said they're not gonna stop looking for this guy because you're like oh uh i don't want to press charges like right if maybe if he goes and like reneges and is like oh i i don't know i'm not sure who i saw i don't think it's actually this guy yeah but then he's just lying like, yeah, he can't, like that's uh, that's really different. It's like oh, I could just go like lie to the cops about this. Is a lot different than let's drop the charges anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he's really dug, dug Carlin deep here.
0: Chris?
1: Hey guys, uh, this week's episode has a very, very special sponsor. Our uh, now friend of the show, Adrian Paul. Uh, This episode is brought to you by The Sword Experience. And if you guys haven't heard about it out there in Highlander land, (laughs) uh, The Sword Experience is a once in a lifetime opportunity to spend time with,
2: train, uh, and learn lessons with the man himself, Adrian Paul. Each experience is completely customized. You get to see some incredible locations and do each time unique sword work. So even if you've been to sword experience in the past, it'll be a brand new sword experience in the future. Absolutely. And coming up
3: June 18th and 19th, uh, we will
2: have an experience at Cressing Temple. It's an ancient monument. In Essex. (laughs) So if you're in the UK area or don't mind traveling, that sounds like it'll be an amazing experience in a historical location.
1: Yeah, totally. And we know we have a lot of... uh, Like international listeners. So, for everyone out there, definitely check this out. And later in the month, uh, June 24th, Adrian Paul will also be at the Music Hall in Stuttgart. So, make sure to go to theswordexperience.com. Again, that's theswordexperience.com for all the information on these two amazing events. I'd say there can be only one, but each one of these is different. (laughs) That's right, right. So then we see the uh, these two police officers whose names are Carter and Kenny. Yep. Uh, so Carter is the old racist or older racist cop, and Kenny is, like, his new rookie partner. Uh, and they're walking the, the beat on the streets of Seacoover. Carter is, like, not cool on the populace of Seacoover. He's like, look at this trash, this garbage. He's yeah. like, these people live like animals. He's <laughs> like, they're all drug dealers.
3: And they're, they're all drug dealers, criminals, and teenage unwed mothers sometimes all three which
2: just gave me an amazing image because i just pictured those drug dealers from earlier yeah and they're just unwed mothers breastfeeding <laughs> yeah. while selling coke <laughs> that's what it works how it works right yeah <laughs> i mean practically in Seacouver, if that's their metric for a drug dealer why not right can we talk about the Seacouver police
3: uniform sure which has yeah. baseball caps <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So that's like actually, way to not look intimidating at all it's or a, like official.
2: It's a tactical headgear. Yeah. Yes. They're actually just on their way. They're on the Seacouver Police Force softball team. <laughs> they're going to take on the firefighters or maybe the Watcher team. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle. This, the Seacouver Watcher team is probably pretty bad, but Joe's their manager. <laughs> so also, just side note, this is like the, the rookie cops, like, geez, you sound like a member of the clan. And I look just like, Didn't do a very scientific survey of who's on screen at the time in the middle of this rant. I'm not sure there are any black people on screen (laughs) while he's saying this. I was saying it was like, who is he talking about? Like, it's maybe it's not clear. That was, again, I didn't like do a comprehensive search. (laughs) (laughs) But it's more just like vague racism, like directed at no one in particular. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I first heard this scene, I thought he said, you sound like you're a member of the Clang.
2: And I was like, <laughs> not the Clang? Actually, the member of the Krang. The Krang? Yeah. Krang. He's actually just, he just is the robot suit. <laughs> uh, back to turtles. Oh, it all comes full circle. So Carter sees Ricky. Yeah. And they he's like, get that's the chase. kid. Yeah.
1: And so they chase him down. And I guess Carter and his rookie partner, Kenny, split up. Yeah. Uh, Head
3: him off at the pass. Right.
1: So Carter ends up getting Ricky, yep. and he really beats him up. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. It's this is messed uh, up. Yeah. Well,
3: so. he tackles him. He beats him up, and then he's like, "You're gonna have to look at this picture." The picture he shows to Ricky is like crumpled up. <laughs> beyond recognition i'm like nobody would ever be able to identify anything with this picture i was like it's like he put it in a ball and stuck it in his pocket
2: that's it it's like no 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 in in real life his eyes are not overlapping yeah each other. it's not a mad folded it's an id picture so he like beats him up and like this guy doesn't want to talk, but he threatens to plant drugs on him. Yeah. And once again, it's an outrageous quantity yeah. of drugs. Like
0: mm. outrageous.
2: <laughs> it's not like a dime bag or something. It's no. like <laughs> it's a yeah. Like also you do not need to have that much drugs on you f- to even get <laughs> busted for like quid like possession with intent to deliver like it's really not that much and this is like oh yeah you're actually just like a wholesaler (laughs) (laughs) hey kid you want to be a drug wholesaler my note at this point was this is episode was written by someone who's only ever heard about racism or crime or drugs. <laughs> hey, I heard there's like a thing called drugs. Maybe we could put that in an episode.
1: <laughs> Carter is about to like whale on whale on kid. him with his yeah. like billy
3: club. yeah
1: uh, But luckily, Kenny. Kenny shows up and he's yeah. like, "What are
3: you
2: doing, man? Kenny's
3: real by the book. He's also a coward. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, if you're gonna
2: arrest him, you put on the cuffs and take him in. I like to think he was just legitimately confused. Oh, is that that's is that a how you do it? Yeah. I thought you beat people up and planted drugs on <laughs> them to arrest them. Now I know. No, Carter, silly Billy. <laughs> what did we say?
3: <laughs> so Sorry. they they
1: take uh, Ricky in. I guess then we cut back to the dojo, and Mac and Carl are sparring, and this is yeah. really great. We'll we'll definitely put a clip of this up on our Facebook page. But the, at this point, the the sword fighting in the show is getting better and better. I think I don't know. In the first season, I know clearly some of the guest stars were like, eh, it's like this isn't the the greatest like you can tell right. it's like they're not experienced or whatever but uh, i think everybody involved adrian paul probably the choreographer the game is up yeah yeah stepping up the game
2: also like his sword he's using looks awesome and like brutal yeah yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea what kind of weapon it is
1: that one's remind cool. me
2: of
3: cast gear sword a little bit yeah the disarming move mac does at the end of this fight is really cool he like steps on carl's sword Yeah, like slams
1: it to the ground, kicks it out. Yeah, it's a really, like, rhythmic fight. Like, Mm -hmm. it feels like it's got a a beat to it. It's cool. So after they're sparring, uh, Charlie comes back in, and he's, of course, not too pleased to see Carl still there. And I don't know if we want to play this clip or not. This is a, I guess they start questioning each other's blackness, which is, I, I think it's an interesting conversation they have, but.
3: Do it up.
0: You still here? Salvo! Now, what kind of name is that for a black man? It's a name for somebody who's half black and half Italian, man. Oh, I got that. So which half are you? Well, I'm both. Duncan's not happy about this. <laughs> Guess it depends on who you're talking to, huh? Hey, you want to talk about it, man? Hey, I've been talking about it all my life. Must be hard being a white man in a black man's body. And nobody talks to me like that. Hey, I just did. What is it you need to Hmm? It's a black thing. You get his thieving ass out of here.
1: Darkness 17, it's a black <laughs> thing. It's <thing. laughs> just <Yeah. laughs>
0: Mac
2: looks very uncomfortable yes, during yes. this
1: whole interaction. I'm very uncomfortable during most of
2: these interactions. It's just like it's just like a repeated run to the general, right? Cuz again, Charlie's already told this like kind of complicated story about his upbringing and how hard it was, you know, being kind of pulled between two worlds and not really fitting in every, anywhere, and that's a potentially interesting conversation and like maybe a moment these two characters could have. But instead they just run to Like, hey, what's going on here? And rather than giving any explanation, he's just like, it's a black thing. Yeah. Oh, here, let's, like, run to this vague generality again, rather than having real character development or conflict.
1: Yeah, there's some, like, really interesting territory they could cover here. And also, we should... I mean, we're three white dudes talking about all of this, so (laughs) let's keep all of this in perspective, but... uh, Nowhere to run. White people bravely talk about race. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But... This conversation they have is a real conversation about, like, I mean, this idea of, like, what is, like, blackness, the black experience in America. And I was thinking it's, like, this is actually really interesting territory because, unlike Charlie, like, Carl has had perhaps the truest African-American experience you could have. Like, he has run the gamut of... You know, the the only thing maybe is if he was older, like he could have legitimately be brought over here from Africa. Like he he has that entire wealth of experience, like adding up to his like, quote unquote, blackness, which I
2: think is really interesting. That like, is really interesting, the fact that somebody's alive who doesn't just remember slavery but was a slave. Right. Like, So, I mean, like Charlie has obviously had a
1: very different experience as an African-American and also being biracial as well. Um,
2: but, yeah, I think that they could really
1: get deep into this and it would be, I think, pretty interesting. It's a, it's a tough
2: topic. <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah. a tough topic. It's also a tough topic for Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, I'm not saying, like, they need to go – to the deepest. It just feels vague and I weren't I like it almost worries me if this is what white people in the 90s thought conversations about race were like.
1: Well, certainly what conversations about race were like on TV.
2: Sure. <laughs> yeah, which is I don't know, it's a little upsetting in 2016, but...
1: I mean, I give this show some credit for talking about some of this stuff.
2: Yeah, it's just a shame that this episode, thats the episode that's kind of about it, is least successful at talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, the moments where, like, just Charlie's breaking it down by himself in other episodes seem to have, like, more heart and more meaning than yeah. this entire episode that's ostensibly about it right. really has. Like, I just felt like they didn't really have an escape... Like, they just kept pulling escape hatches. Well, it's I'll- like, here's why we get out of this conversation, like... We're done. And Mac
1: Mac tends to be that escape, uh, because like we we see in a lot of like season one episodes, like Mac just has to be right. And so what this conversation about like blackness is or the hand life has dealt you, like mm-hmm. and Carl being able to deal with that in one way or the other, like, these are interesting conversations that don't necessarily have an answer, like or a clear answer. You know, it's it's murky water all yeah. around. But because of the format of the show and we've got like this kind of in this case, very literally white knight uh hero, like There has to be an answer to this. And Mac gets to be like, no, it's wrong. And it's like, well, it's sometimes not as simple as that. Like, the show needs a right or or wrong answer rather than just having the discussion.
2: Yeah. And also, the thing that's really crappy about it is he just comes down, like, his position is just like, race doesn't matter. Like, that's the lesson he's definitively quote-unquote proving in the episode it's like whoa you're really invalidating this guy's experience right (laughs) i I mean that's not to say there's not like a nuanced lesson in there about you know recapture like carl recapturing control of his own destiny and Mm -hmm. being more active and engaged in trying to accomplishes goals like that's fine yeah but but mac very clearly seems to say like it's not a race thing right. <laughs> so yeah with with all the historical perspective
1: we have obviously some of these conversations don't ring as true as they should i suppose but maybe the episode's accomplishing exactly what it needs to do i mean here we are we've been talking for the past 10 minutes about the scene yeah uh, which is a good thing so um, i suppose so but then the end of the scene kind of turns into a little psa because carl like espouses some belief that like everybody hates like you know everybody's a racist And Mac's like, not everybody hates man. Like, especially me, Duncan, the white knight. Like, of course not me. Uh, So he's like, you stopped believing in yourself a long time ago. It's like, this is just like a little feel-good commercial.
2: So Carl is now out on the streets, and the mustachioed cop manages to spot him and just Mm -hmm. decides to go wheel hunting. Like, just... Runs him down with his car. And he uh,
3: goes to his trunk after he kicks him to see if he's awake and pulls out an axe. Like a fireman's axe. Right.
1: Again, yeah. like uh, Horton had this. It's probably Horton's old axe. So, <laughs> the Horton yeah. Axe Collection. Yeah. So,
3: this guy's a watcher.
2: <laughs> the Axe Collection by oh, yeah. Horton. <laughs> yeah.
3: This guy's a watcher. Yeah, we come to find
2: out. So,
1: once again, yeah. we see another bad
2: watcher. Yeah, every bad watcher in
1: this show is bad except Joe and Josh.
2: Mac <laughs> just needs like if I were Mac, I would be going ham against these people, like yeah. why trust any of them?
3: Well, this is like another rogue watcher slash immortal serial killer, and this
2: guy's also just independent of those things, just a terrible like yeah. scumbag, yeah if, as if that wasn't obvious from the drug planning racism, and all that. Why does he have to be a watcher so
1: this is another one of these things where the episode undercuts its own theme which is racism is bad. As Max says, like, this isn't about being black. And it's like, I guess he's right, like it isn't. This guy is after Carl, not because he's black, I mean, it doesn't help the situation because the guy is also racist, but he's right. also a watcher, like or a hunter. <laughs> and it's like, so it you this know wears a lot of hats. Yeah, uh, he does. Uh, but <laughs> well, it's one of the clan hat. But. It's like they they have to kind of keep layering, like make the the bad guy worse and yeah. worse and worse. It's like I wish he was either just a watcher or just a
2: racist. Then he's right. he's much less of a threat if he's not a hunter, though. And I think that's the thing that keeps coming that he back. can kill him. Yeah, because like a uh, just a racist cop is never going to sever his head with a fireman's axe. That's not going to be a thing. They no, but he can put could, him away for a long time, which
1: doesn't sound could, good either. Yeah,
3: he could put him away, or they could have made Ricky, like, the one in danger, so they still have to stitch this guy up because he's, like, corrupt and, you know... Yeah, that's
1: not a bad idea. Kyle, I think you might be right about maybe that's why they made him a watcher, to to make it, a, like, a palpable threat
2: to Carl. Yeah, and... Uh, to make the immortal parts of it hit harder but mm. i feel like this this episode the flashbacks are strong enough that it doesn't need like more immortal stuff to be right. a complete episode yeah
1: I, I like the fact that like it's not really like this is carl is not the immortal villain of the week but this has every bit if not more conflict than some of those other episodes do
2: like right where which sometimes is, you just have a faceless villain that he fights yeah
1: so this is really nice that this that the show is kind of exploring this territory of like the conflict does not have to be just like Good versus bad
2: guy. Yeah. I'd like the idea if either he was after the kid or, like, he wasn't... Like, Charlie tries to drop the charges, but this guy wants to get him not because of any just reason, but just for racism. Right, right. Like, otherwise, you know, he's got a hundred files on his desk. He could go do something else. But, like, no, let's get...
1: Yeah, or the, yeah. the plot, like, if Carl wasn't a car thief, like, this this guy as a cop has a legitimate reason to arrest Carl. Yes. Which is that he is a car thief. He
2: fired a shot-off shotgun in public. Right. He's broken a lot
1: of <laughs> yeah. laws. Yeah, but, I mean, if this this idea about, like, well, Carl's first death was because he was wrongfully accused, like, maybe this watcher, as a cop, uses this, like, wrongfully accused angle to get Carl in custody so he can kill him. So, again, we're, like, mirroring this, like, wrongfully accused angle. Yeah. Uh, which that would
2: be interesting. Yeah. Too. So my thought at this point in the episode and this comes up pretty quickly, which was just like, does no one ever check like NCIC, like the the database that every law enforcement agency in the country uses to see if he's actually wanted for murder in Arizona? And of course, all it takes is like Duncan just walking into a police station and asking to determine. Yeah. Like Well he does you know, eventually do that. Yeah, and like yeah. no one like it's just that simple. <laughs> like <laughs> to disprove this thing. He is just not wanted. Yes. So Carl gets beat up by this cop, almost
1: gets his head cut off, and I guess I'm like street kids or something like they kind of end up putting an end to this because
2: they see the cop they just happen by right as he is about to decapitate a (laughs) man Uh, with a fireman's axe like uh, you'd think they would inform someone of this but one of them says i don't see any
3: christmas trees around here
1: (laughs) that was good (laughs) carl returns to max loft and tells him that he was just run down by this cop of course he doesn't know that this cop was trying to like cut his head off or anything Mm -hmm. and he's like he ran me down just because i was black uh so then we get a flashback to alabama 1954 hey man tell us what's happening here
3: so mac and carl go into a diner and mac has his best fonzie look on his hair's all like slicked up and he has a he has like a varsity jacket on or something like he looks like a (laughs) he's looking pretty slick high school (laughs) student (laughs) and carl's in his full uh, baseball regalia that's what they call that right yep. baseball yeah baseball regalia
2: was this where he reveals that he was pitching against satchel page or you did that in the past or what was the yeah yeah
3: but they sit at the counter and there is a whites only sign
2: and the sheriff comes up takes off his badge and decides it's time to throw down yep yeah and he's
1: like you get out and this is a weird bit of dialogue i thought this is this i don't mean to defend the sheriff in any way shape or form because i'm not but duncan like has this quip with him he's like you know i thought you were supposed to uphold the law and the sheriff then like takes off his badge and he's like well i'm not the sheriff anymore and it's like but he was <laughs> like it's a segregated diner like i wish the dialogue was a little different yeah
2: because it's the whole problem is that segregation is the law like, exactly that is that's, the, the, that's the problem the Conflict, right,
1: right. Uh, so it just is a like i wish duncan like the quip was like i thought you were supposed to like stand up for people or protect people right and and that's like why duncan doesn't respect the sheriff because that's true like yeah he's not standing up for what should be the rights or what are the rights but are not being given to carl
2: yeah uh, which are about to be because they go outside and discover that brown versus board of <laughs> education has just been decided <laughs> should we play this clip sure also duncan shovers res- the sheriff's face
3: in a plate of food
1: yeah like it's kind of cartoony but like yeah. duncan resorts to cartoon
2: violence yeah, like immediately it, immediately which i think is it's like huh interesting and once again it's like duncan's just like spoiling for a fight with these racists mm-hmm. and this is the second time carl's like hey let's
0: yeah let's just deal with it Sorry about that, Mac. I should have checked for the sign. Carl, whatever you do, don't apologize. Let's just get out of here before Bubba puts his badge back on. Yeah, well, let that fat ass trying to arrest me. It's not you I'm worried about, all right? Sometimes you just got to accept things the way they are, Oh, come on. This this isn't the 20s, Carl. You got to go along to get along, you know what I mean? And I'm going to the majors, man. I remember a guy that was going to make new laws. Yeah, well, he didn't get around to it. You still have lots of time. Nobody wants to believe that more than me, McCloud. But the truth is, they are not going to let it happen. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Junkin spots a newspaper. Segregation is declared unconstitutional. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man, man. I never thought I'd see this happen. Things are changing, Carl. All you have to do is live long enough. I don't know, man. Somehow, all of this doesn't seem so important anymore. (laughs) Maybe I should be a part of it, huh? Do it.
1: All right. All right. And then they have they've got their own like secret handshake, which is great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Dad, you want to have a catch? <laughs> yeah. But so what did the newspapers get
3: delivered like right in the short <laughs> amount of time they were in the diner? Well, no, they just didn't pass. They
1: uh, just didn't know the. They news. didn't see
2: the newspaper yet.
1: Right. And this, of course, this news is not that all segregation is illegal, even though, because the, the what, what year is this? 1959? Six, I think. 1956. So even earlier. So this is just Brown versus Board of Ed. Yeah. Which means that segregation is illegal in public places. So technically that diner is still segregated up until 1964. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Uh, but I do like this theme of like, you just have to be alive long enough to see the change. I think that's an interesting
2: theme. I took a public opinion class in college. The professor's main thesis was just, people's opinions don't change, they just die. Oh! And new people replace them. And that's how demographic shifts in opinion happen. (laughs) Like, people who are racist don't go like, aha, I was wrong. They just fucking die. And their children (laughs) are less racist than them, hopefully. You know, he's kind of living proof of that. It's like, oh, if I'm just around long enough, these people will die off and I will still be here. Mm.
1: So back in the back in Max loft, I guess Carl is I guess still disillusioned. Like he's like, this was all an illusion. Like everybody's dead. Like King's dead. Who else is dead? Bobby's dead. Malcolm X. Malcolm X, everybody's dead. Bobby's selling barbecue sauce. <laughs> Explain Bob. that reference. To oh, people. sorry, uh Bobby. It's uh Bobby Seal. He was the uh, co-founder of The Black, Black Hanthers, Panthers. Right with Huey Newton. But uh more recently he has like Got a barbecue website, and he sells, like, barbecue sauce, and he's got stories about barbecue cooking, and it's good. I don't know. He taught at uh, Temple University for a little bit recently. Oh. Yeah, he's taught Black Studies. Our alma mater. Absolutely. Not me. Go Owls, man. (laughs) (laughs) I guess uh, they're trying to figure out how they can catch this cop.
3: Charlie sends somebody up, and that somebody is Ricky. And Ricky has obviously been beaten up. And then he reveals that it was the cop and that he also saw a tattoo on his wrist.
2: So this is how we find out that he's a watcher. Right. Right.
3: Does he describe the tattoo?
2: I don't think so. I think he's
1: just like he's got a wrist tattoo. And Mac's like, Is it just a butterfly? <laughs> yeah. I wish they didn't show
3: it. It's like, yeah.
1: <laughs> so Matt goes to the police station to investigate these murder charges. So he right. asks the cop. And he's like, What's the deal with this? Oh yes, doesn't he also ask what he looks like? There's a funny interaction. Oh, ask here. what the cop looks like? Yeah, and
2: he's yeah. like, I don't know, man, it could be you. And I was just like thinking, he was like, Yeah, I know they're like referencing like the like a racist trope of like you all look the same. Right. But Boy, do they look different. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention the mustache. Like, this guy was right in your face. Yeah. Like, yeah. He doesn't even say he had a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you saw his tattoo, but can describe literally none of his physical features.
3: One is like a grizzled, old, mustachioed white cop, and one is like a long haired, burly. Adonis. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so Mac finds out these murder charges do not exist at all, and he is not wanted for any crimes currently. Which, including the, the, car the car thing. The, Again, as you brought up, Kyle, that's probably not true.
2: Also, he has been going around committing multiple felonies in the context of this episode. So, right. yep, You know, there's that.
1: Uh, so in the background, the racist cop carter is listening in on this and he's on the phone with somebody because he's like we got him
3: this never comes up
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh so i guess he's talking to another hunter and i guess this is the clue that like carl's with mac like i guess they don't know that beforehand
3: right so is he talking about mac or is he talking about carl
2: i think he's talking about carl because he might not even know max immortal right but why wouldn't he? I don't know. Who knows? Also, at this point, Joe
1: is not in the episode. This is another Again. one of those things where yeah. there's a watcher problem. Yep. And they're like, Duncan's trying to find out who the cop... It's like, who's the cop? Let me just ask what he looks like or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how about you just go to Joe and say, are there any watchers on the police force? <laughs> yeah. Because there's probably at least one, and it's probably this guy. Yep. Uh, we should remember that these hunters are also watchers. Like they're They're like secret hunters, right? So, I mean, this guy, I would think, would know that carl was with Mac. or like he could even ask like i lost track of carl like and then joe could tell him like oh he's with hanging out with mac oh thanks a lot yeah (laughs) i don't know
3: (laughs) oh thanks (laughs) see you at the potluck
1: (laughs) the watcher potluck so outside the police station mac and carl are outside talking uh but it's like mac when he went into the police station did not know these murder charges were fake right they also i i don't know if he knew that there were no other charges against him. It's like, this is the worst place for Carl to be right now. Yeah. Especially because they know a cop is, like, after him. So mm-hmm. it's like, probably he shouldn't be hanging out out front. Right, guys?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was thinking this whole time was, so is this cop, cop, like, suppressing the car stealing thing so that other people aren't looking for him when he cuts off his head? If police are actively looking for somebody and discover his decapitated body, that could be difficult for him to explain. Hmm. But then... Why make up a story to Charlie about him being wanted for murder? They seem inconsistent. Yep, because it seems like you do that to increase police scrutiny and make it more likely that this guy's gonna, that Charlie's gonna call the cops if he hears anything. And we find out at some point
1: that it's like, oh, all you have to do is like make an edit on the computer, and every cop's gonna be looking for you. So like, this cop Carter made up these murder charges, but then didn't put it in the computer. So like, only he was, him and Charlie are aware. Of these trumped-up murder charges.
2: Well, like, if it's a murder in Arizona, someone from, like, the Arizona police force would have to enter a warrant into the system and mm-hmm. and go through there. Like, the, I mean, okay. there is, like, there is like a process involved. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Why the lie? Yeah, I don't quite Because it. it's not, like, that convinced Charlie to press charges in any other way or who no, knows what.
2: because he immediately is like, oh, yeah, no, this is fake. <laughs> is
3: this where the drive-by shooting happens?
2: Yeah, there's a shotgun drive-by. Yeah. <laughs> In front of the police station by a
1: cop yep, in a cop car.
3: <laughs> but he misses.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody really sees who the cop is, but we do get, I guess, a glimpse of the car number. Do we even see that? It, they, do, they do call it out. Like, it's in yeah,
2: slow-mo. 592. Five okay. Yep, 592. It's
3: far. like, wait, 592. I'm like, what?
2: <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> what he was talking about. They then roll up on the racist cop's partner. And Duncan basically just teases him into helping him out. Well, first, there's like th- there's some weird padding to this scene. Like they yeah. see the two cops together, and then
1: like rather than go talk, like he's like, "We'll just wait." And it's like, I guess they want to talk to him alone. I guess that's the idea. So then, I guess Mac and Carl just stand there. Did for, they like, wait over the like
3: whole straw? <laughs> like, well, I got nothing better to do when Kenny.
1: Kenny comes back. I guess Mac goes to talk to him and lays, like, a guilt trip on
3: him. Mm -hmm. I thought you were a cop.
1: Yeah, Kenny doesn't seem... Kyle, you called him a coward
2: earlier. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, he just, like, watches this guy obviously about to beat a defenseless suspect. And it's just like, hey, man. Like, I know there's, like, a code of silence among the police force. But, boy, this guy... Like, cat's got this guy's tongue. So, I guess there's a plan that we don't see on camera to Mm -hmm. frame... It's
1: not even frame. Just to catch... It's entrapment. Carter, Yeah. Uh, so Catherine Zeta Jones <laughs> Sean Connery mm-hmm. so we're on the pier where I guess Carl's normal hideout is and yeah. Carter the racist cop shows up to like arrest him and, it's and he's like...
3: dressed to the nines yeah <laughs> and also uh, Carl is in his duster like <laughs> on like a wooden walkway He's just, like, hammering. Yeah. Like, like this is his pier. Like, this is... He's got to make repairs. But it's like, oh, I have some hammering to do. Time to put on my fucking duster jacket. (laughs) (laughs) So Carter
1: approaches with a gun and an axe. Yep. And he's going to, I guess, take Carl down. But then Kenny appears, and he's like, Mm -hmm. no, you
3: can't do this. And Kenny is also in a suit, not in his policeman's uniform yes and i guess they're all reason. detectives now they and not
1: and meanwhile duncan is like sneaking around like a cat
3: yeah but like they're lucky in this whole like entrapment thing that the watcher doesn't say anything about carl's immortality that kenny can overhear well he like,
1: starts hinting at it he's like you don't know what this is about like but I mean, you don't before, know what he is before
3: he knows Kenny's there. They're just lucky that he doesn't mention anything
1: about it. Right? That.
3: <laughs> Duncan climbs under the pier, or he's like
1: below Carter. Yeah, and he like pulls on his like. He just gives him like a little tug, and yeah. it just makes Carter go off balance. And then Kenny shoots. Him. <laughs> right. He just plugs him. So Carter falls into the river dead, presumably. Yep. And that's kind of it.
2: Yeah, this is a pretty messy resolution to this whole thing. Like, yeah. If their plan was just to kill him, like I guess you're in some serious trouble for killing a cop. Like mm-hmm. it's they, a lot of paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> well now that the racist
1: is dead, racism is dead. <laughs>
2: yeah, so Carl goes back to playing baseball. Right. Also, did anyone catch what team he was playing for? Oh the, the Chiefs. most... Yeah, the, the irony of this. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Is that Kansas City Chiefs? Is that the team?
2: I got the impression that it was, it like, was a like a minor, minor league, team. but it's got okay. it prominently a features tomahawk. A tomahawk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just would like the idea if it had like that. It's it's like a arguably racist team that he's on right. in this yep. episode about race. <laughs> Chiefs is a lot better than like it's not like the, the Redskins. Redskins. Yeah, that's rough. Like. Yeah better but she, yeah she, she's at least chief sounds like something respectful <laughs> it might not be but at least like <laughs> it seems like being a chief is a good thing not a slur uh so duncan shows up to the locker room yep
1: they like hug and do their handshake and carl's talks about like how he's gonna turn his life around and when he clears up i guess is his record i guess he's gonna try to run for office like when he sorts out like a new background for himself things are looking on the up and up that's carl's right. changing his ways
2: Thanks to getting choke slam by Mac that one time. Yep. Yeah. Thanks to the White Savior, Duncan MacLeod. <laughs>
3: Did we talk about that? We didn't talk about that. Let's talk
2: about a lot of stuff yeah, in this so, episode. Now that it's over. <laughs> yeah. Like Sakar so wants to skip town, and Mac just convinces him racism doesn't exist. Basically. Yeah. Is and ch- with a choke slam, like yeah. he t- w- like slams him down on the hood of the car. He's like, listen to me. You want I me mean, to think? That's fine. <laughs> listen well, to me.
3: Well, he's saying, like, you're immortal, you have a chance to rise above all this stuff and, like, inspire people. And throughout this whole episode, you're immortal, you have all this time. I'm like, unless your head gets chopped off. Like, sometimes they just pretend like the game doesn't exist. I don't really get that. It's and like... Especially when someone's trying to kill you even outside the game. Yeah. Right. I'm like, you have all this time if, you know, you don't get your head chopped off in a sword that's duel. Right. I'm like, that. sometimes that's factored in, sometimes it isn't. Like, mm-hmm. the the tone with that is so inconsistent sometimes in this show and it kind of bugged me specifically in this episode
1: uh yeah this episode does have this trope which is almost unavoidable if mac is going to be the hero of the episode that like it's this white savior thing which we see in a lot of tv movies like there's some disenfranchised person or people usually and it's like the white person is there to like save the day, and like you and can't dance save with your the- wolves. Yeah, exactly. Dances with Wolves, Avatar. What are some other uh, good examples of this?
3: Last Samurai.
1: Last Samurai, right? Uh, Last
3: of the Mohicans, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Cetera.
1: Et cetera. Yeah, there's a. This is this is a very prevalent trope in
3: half of media. every uh, teacher movie where a white teacher changes lives in yeah. an inner city school
1: exactly uh so yeah these disenfranchised people or whatever like they need help i guess rising up and it's got to be the white person that helps them so this episode kind of falls into that a little bit again if this may i don't know maybe it would be better if it was charlie that had
2: different views on what it meant to deal with racism and like because mac also just seems so exasperated by the whole thing right He, he every time things become overtly racial He's he's like rolling his eyes or sort of like ugh, right? Yeah, it's weird. Mm. Yeah, so I, I mean these know. are hard topics to deal with. Yeah, honestly. and we need to hang a huge lantern on three white straight dudes with college degrees opining about. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I took a
1: black studies class. I get it. Just, yes. Come on. <laughs> uh, did you? That's a
2: couple.
3: Okay.
1: um But that doesn't mean anything. anything. Nope, exactly. It does. No, exactly. No, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's even difficult for us here to to talk about it. But I mean, I guess it's good that we, I guess I, I guess I kind of appreciate know. that they tried to
2: do something. Yeah, but
3: well, it, it kind of doubles down on it because they don't get specific on what issues Carl is really dealing with. I mean, aside from the segregation that, and attempted lynching, we see in the episode.
2: It's <laughs> like like the flash that second flashback we see is so hopeful. Like yeah yeah. The, Brown versus BOE's going on. Like, it seems like he's got a real shot at making it into the majors, which he seems to announce. Mm. Right. It would have been not easy, but, like, they could have written a story about what went wrong and, like, actually made it make sense. Or just Mm
1: -hmm. had that second flashback not be so hopeful and it's like this is a guy that is always dealt with you know being put down being segregated like you know like he's never been able to get over these hurdles and that's why he feels this way yeah i don't know it's tricky one thing i i would love to have in this episode is if i had to rewrite this a little bit uh well i think joe should be in this episode one yeah well anytime there's a hunter in it it's like there's always just a gaping question of why no joe exactly um but one thing i think especially because we we don't know too much about the watchers at this point and they also seem bad (laughs) at this point other than joe who just tells us every once in a while like he's good it's like okay josh Uh, (laughs) i really think the end of this episode would have been a great gateway if kenny interfered and carter was like you don't know what this guy is and started to kind of spill the beans about it Mm -hmm. and kenny then finds out about immortals through witnessing what happens. And maybe Joe emerges at the end, because he's Max Watcher, he's there, seeing what's going on. And maybe he goes from rookie cop to rookie watcher. And we get this kind of like, in season one, I think it it works out really well. Like, Richie and Tess are your gateway into the immortal world. Like, they're the every, every man, or whatever, that stories sometimes need. Like, we get to explain exposition through them. Like, what is the game? Someone needs to ask that question. It's Richie, or Tess. And it's like, well, what are the Watchers? Like, what's this whole organization about? And to have a rookie watcher kind of partner up with Joe, I think might be kind of fun. Um, Although it might also just inadvertently reintroduce the cop element, which we usually don't want. Uh, But if they kind of keep that on the back burner, I think that might be a fun new character and a cool way to get that character introduced because we don't know anything about the watchers
3: <laughs> Well, also a rookie cop that's a watcher that knows about a w- mortals on the force could help explain away some of those weird questions we always
1: right have with just even a throwaway line like if someone right. ever calls that out joe could just be like oh kenny kenny always takes care of the paperwork on that make sure the paperwork gets lost right and it's like okay i'm done i don't have to think about that anymore (laughs) yeah should we read some of the watcher chronicles we haven't talked about them in a long time yes all right the watcher chronicles on carl robinson he was born in 1824 in louisiana and his first death was in 1859 and we know from this episode he was killed by his slave owner here here is the uh chronicle entry on him The poor and the disenfranchised have a powerful champion going to bat for them. Carl Robinson, big league ball player and former criminal has turned political activist, pleading the case for justice and civil rights in the halls of Congress. With his hefty Major League salary, Robinson has founded the League of Justice (laughs) to speak for for those members of American society traditionally denied a voice. In addition to its political lobbying efforts, the League works to match grassroots organizations and outreach programs, such as food co-ops, education and job training programs, and housing partnerships. With grants and funding provided by Fortune 500 companies, with the support of both the liberal grassroots movement and the more conservative corporate sector, Carl Robinson could become a strong candidate for public office himself once the baseball career comes to an end. Maybe even the first big leaguer to fill the Oval Office. Pretty impressive for a former slave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this takes place to the
2: future of this episode. Yeah, yeah. which is weird. But, well,
1: spoiler alert, this character does come back, right. which
2: is really great. Yes, Uh, finally. Finally. People coming back. They don't mention his partnership with Aquaman. (laughs) That's pretty critical. Yeah, the League
3: of Justice also helps with invasions from Brainiac.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You gotta... I mean, those Brainiac invasions are really tough. You don't have Carl Robinson or Superman on your side. (laughs) That's right. I'll take the soup. (laughs) So, one also
1: interesting thing uh, in this... uh, In the Watcher Chronicles for this episode was the Watcher... Carter has a little bio on him, which is great. Uh, And in it, it does not mention that he's a hunter or dies or anything like that. It mentions that in the year 1993, he won the award for Seacoover Policeman of the Year. Wow. And I was just thinking, I was like, no wonder Seacouver is in the state it's in, and no wonder the zone exists, because this is the policeman of like this, <laughs> this is, is the, the best, best they have to <sighs> offer. It's like, oh, no wonder it's a crime-ridden wasteland. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's insane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh well, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode, Run for Your Life. Make sure to tune in next week when the episode will be episode number ten, Epitaph for Tommy. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle.
3: Amen. (laughs) Bye.
1: So, back at the police, there's a.